We're going to go into uh, part six, the final part of our Rise Above series. Before we do, I want to let you know, every October we have our, how, our, our Heart for the House offering. And uh, this year it is uh, going to be in the month of October as well. Maybe you're in here, you're saying, Alex, I don't know what Heart for the House is. Uh, Heart for the House, as you know, we just have our time of giving what we just did. And uh, that goes to cover, you know, uh, mortgages and lights and salaries and overhead. But once a year, we like to get together and go over and above what we've given uh, from week to week. And uh, it is a special offering that goes into the expansion of our house in any way, improvements of the house to expand. As many of you know, we want, we're trying to put up a new building. Some of the things in this building need to be fixed. This building was designed for only 300 people. And on a Sunday, over 2,000 people come in here. That's a major difference. It's taken a lot. I mean, pray for the building. I mean, I don't know how the walls haven't collapsed, but pray for the building. But we need improvements of the house and Wynwood as well and some things that need to get painted. And, and uh, we just want, we always want the house to be well. You know what I'm saying? Especially the house of God. And that's what this offering is for. It's for the expansion and improvement of our house. And so that's going to be October. The day uh, is October 16th, Sunday, October 16th. So you can begin to put that on your calendar. We're all going to come together and just give a special offering, whatever it is. Whatever God puts on your heart and say, God, I, I want to see this house go beyond, beyond whatever we could ever dream of, beyond whatever we could ever imagine. God's going to do big things through this house. Amen. Amen. So we're excited for heart for the house and believing that God's going to do something incredible. Open up your Bibles to the book of Acts chapter 27. Acts chapter 27, part six of our Rise Above series, like we said, and I pray this series has been a blessing in your life, has been a blessing in my life as we looked at different storms and did study cases of different storms in scripture. And at the beginning of this thing, we, we just decided, hey, um, life uh, can hit us all, circumstances, situations can happen, and it'll be great as a community, as a church, as family, to go through different stories in the Bible where some storms happened, and to some of the characters, let's just study them a little bit, and that's what we've kind of been doing for the past six, seven weeks, and if you haven't been able to catch them all, you can go on YouTube and listen to the messages, uh, but today is going to be the last part, and in this particular uh, storm, this particular passage is, is just very descriptive, I love it, it's, it's almost like a movie, uh, what is going on, and, and this is, I mean, just a powerful story of a character that I think almost all of us, we know pretty well, and uh, he's about to go through a storm of storms. I'm talking about like this thing is massive, and uh, it's about to leave him completely wrecked, and I think we can lean into his life a little bit this morning, and we can learn from him. I want to give you a little bit of background context of what's going on here. Uh, the Apostle Paul, which many of us have heard about, and we've read the letters that he wrote, he is getting ready to go to Rome. Uh, he's been wanting to go to Rome for a long time. He's been wanting to go over there and he wanted to preach uh, to Caesar. He wanted to preach all over Rome. He says, if I can get to Rome, the gospel can go all over the known world much easier. He, he said, I'm going to plant a church in Rome and uh, I'm going to make disciples. And this thing is just going to spread like like Paul was ruthless like Paul did not care what stood in his way he was going to get to Rome it don't matter what was in his path he wanted to get over there he wanted to preach the gospel he says I will jump up in that palace I will preach to Caesar I will take off the little green stuff off his ear and I'll tell him who Jesus is like he was he did a pizza pizza no I'll show you who Jesus is and he was just like like bold like he didn't care he preached to anybody and everybody nothing was going to hold him back from preaching the gospel and he's been trying to get to Rome, but he's been in prison for two years. And finally, 
Finally, they say, hey, okay, we're going to let you go appeal to Caesar. And he, they put him on a boat. This is crazy. Sometimes when you're on a mission from God, how many know that we're God guys, he provides? He didn't even have to pay for the trip himself. He made the enemy pay for it. And uh, sometimes God is getting ready to set you up. You're not even going to have to pay for it. He's going to make the devil pay for it. And here he gets on a boat, starts going on his way to Italy, on his way to Rome. But what he doesn't know, he's about to encounter a, a crazy storm. And there's 267 prisoners on this. This is a large, massive ship. And there's 267 prisoners, and they're about to go through a massive storm. And Paul's about to use, uh, be used by God as a voice here in this situation. And he begins to warn them, hey, there's a storm coming. We shouldn't set sail right now. And uh, they don't listen to him. And this is where we pick it up in verse 13. We're going to pick it up right here. It says, when a gentle south wind began to blow. I pray you go back home and read all of chapter 27. It's amazing. When it began to blow, they saw their opportunity. So they weighed anchor and sailed along the shore of Crete. Before very long, a wind of hurricane force called the Northeaster, a.k.a. Andrew, swept down from the island. The ship was caught by the storm and could not head into the wind. So we gave way to it and we were driven along. As we passed to the lee of a small island called Cod, we were hardly able to make the light pole secure. So the men hoisted it aboard. Then they passed ropes under the ship itself to hold it together because they were afraid they would run aground on the sandbars of Cetrus. They lowered the sea anchor and let the ship be driven along. Literally what they're doing is they're throwing ropes around the boat, getting it on the other side and tying this massive ship together with massive ropes around because they said at the speed that they were going to, if they run into a sandbar, it's like an explosion happens. This thing will be torn apart completely. They're trying to hold it together. It says, we took such a violent battering from the storm that the next day they began to throw cargo overboard, throw everything overboard. On the third day, they threw the ship's tackle overboard with their own hands. When neither sun nor stars appeared for many days and the storm continued raging, we finally gave up all hope of being saved. Like that's a bad storm. Like there is no sun, there is no stars. This is complete blackness in the middle of this massive violent storm. The one writing this account is Luke. As you know, Luke, Luke, uh, Luke, I don't know what Luke is, but Luke, he has his own book called Luke, uh, Little Uncle Luke. And here he is writing this thing and he himself is saying they gave up all hope of being saved. Like this is bad. After they had gone a long time without food, Paul stood up and he said, men, you should have taken my advice and not sailed from Crete. Then you would have spared yourself from damage and loss. Does that sound familiar to anybody? Like, hey, I told you so. I hate to tell you that I told you so, but I told you so. All the husbands, can I get an amen? amen. <laughs> and it says, because, he says, but now I urge you to keep your courage because not one of you will be lost. Only the ship will be destroyed. Last night, an angel of God who I belong to, whom I serve, stood beside me and said, do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand trial before Caesar, and God has graciously given you the lives of all who sail with you. So keep up your courage, men, for I have faith in God that it will happen just as he told me. Nevertheless, we must run aground on some island. He says, I believe that it's going to happen as God said. I believe that what God has spoken of in your life, it will come to pass. And then Paul says, but we are going to crash on some island. Just know. But we're going to survive. Uh, today, out of these few passages, and I'm telling you, this story is much longer, and I pray you go back and read it. I want to, I want to preach a message that's on my heart. I want you to write this down. I've titled it, Never Shaken. 
Can you shake four people around you and tell them never shaken? Come on, but shake them like you mean it. Like shake them like a Polaroid picture. Shake it and say never shaken. How many know we are never going to be shaken with God? Oh, come on. Is this the 11 a.m.? How many know we're never going to be shaken? The wind may blow, the storm may come, but we are never going to be shaken. And I pray that today you lean in as we look at the Apostle Paul, as we look at his life, we can learn a little bit from this character, from this hero, from this legend, as he's about to go through the most violent storm he's ever been through. And we're going to learn a little bit from his life. If this is your first or second time here, welcome. I pray that you feel at home, that you sense this is family, and we're glad that you're here. And I pray that whatever storm you may be going through, you learn today that you can rise above it and that God is with you. God is on your side. God loves you. And if he's for you, who can be against us? Amen. Come on, let's bow our head, close our eyes, and ask God to bless this time. Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for this time together. God, we pray that you would bless this time together. God, thank you for your word. Thank you that your word is powerful. Thank you that your word, God, it is alive. Thank you that it is. it comes to change our lives. Thank you that it comes to heal. Thank you that it comes to open up our eyes. God, I pray that this morning you'll begin to move across this auditorium and you would heal hearts, heal relationships, heal marriages. God, we pray that you would have your way in this place. There is nothing impossible for you, God. If there's anybody in this auditorium, in the overflow, we're listening on the radio, God, that they are facing an impossible situation I pray that this morning they will know that impossible is where you begin and impossible is what you need for a miracle God and you are still the God of miracles have your way in this place today God and we believe for a miracle for the Miami Dolphins to at least have a winning season in Jesus name all God's people say oh come on anybody believe it all God's people say amen 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 by the way, anybody seen the new stadium of the Dolphins? It looks absolutely beautiful. And I just pray we have a good team to go with a good stadium. Uh, but pray for the Dolphins. They do need help. I, I, I don't know about you, but I hate frogs. Anybody in here hate frogs? Anybody in here hate frogs? Frogs are from the devil. If you don't know, frogs are from the devil. God did not create frogs. It was the devil who created them. Don't, don't quote me on that. I'm just kidding. But somebody's like, that, that is wrong. That is theologically wrong. They're writing an email. But frogs are evil, man. In the book of Exodus, when there's a plague happening, what does God send on the people? Thank you. Point proven. And uh, they're absolutely disgusting. And I live in, in, in a small townhouse with a bunch of townhouses and uh, that it floods easily. And so when it rains, for some reason, a bunch of frogs come out. It is, it is nasty. It is disgusting. And well, a couple of weeks ago, me and Diana were on our way home. And as we're getting ready to go into our house, there's a frog on our door. And this happens often. And it's one of those little green slimy frogs. You know what I'm talking about? Like there's all kinds of frogs by my house. Like there's, there's alien-sized frogs, toads. There's small little frogs. There's tiny baby. I did save a frog last night. Last night a little frog came into the house and I saved it because God told me so. But I would have killed it otherwise. But, um, but, but there, when the, this, this happened like three or four times that there's been one on the door. And this time it was on the door. And uh, I hate frogs. Like, I, I just hate frogs. So I'm not going to grab it and remove it. Uh, I'm going to find the longest stick I can find. And I, I, I find a branch, a long branch. And uh, don't judge me. I don't care. I'm a man. But I don't want to touch frogs. And I got this long branch. And I'm trying to remove the frog off the door. Like, I'm trying to, like, take this thing. And it is not moving. I can't get it. Like, I'm already tapping it. I don't want to kill it. But I'm like, if this thing doesn't move, finally it jumps. And yeah, it, it's the most terrifying thing when a frog jumps, 
right? Like it's not even coming towards you, but you're like, oh my God, oh my God. It just, it jumped. And, uh, oh my God, I'm a man, a man, it don't matter. Don't, it just, it just went to, baby, it don't, don't matter, I got you, girl. And it just went, it just went to another wall. And uh, it was on this wall that's right by the door. So I, I had no option, like, it, no, no lie, we were outside of our house for 10 minutes like like we were not gonna go inside unless this frog like disappeared I, I was about to kill it I don't I don't care I was about to throw my shoe at it I don't care but we are not going in through the door because we felt it was gonna jump on us you know that feeling like it's gonna jump on you so finally it went to the wall next to the door and and I said okay listen I'm gonna open the door really quick I'm gonna open the door really quick and we just gotta run inside like we're gonna run inside you gotta see us. <laughs> it was like it was like midnight, and if anybody was watching, it was ridiculous. But I, I go in there, I just open the door really quick, and I say, "Okay, let's go!" Like run, run. And so she goes first, and then I go. But when I go, I I, I make it inside safe. I make it inside safe. The frog, no, it, it didn't pay attention to this. But I had the feeling it jumped on me. You know that feeling? <laughs> you know that feeling? Like like I felt like it just. Oh my goodness, the frog. <laughs> and, and so I go and I close the door and I'm like, babe, it's on my back. Babe, babe, babe. It's like, oh my God, the frog, the frog. I, I take off my shirt, put on another shirt. Like I'm this is an hour later. I'm chilling watching TV. And it's like, the frog is still on me. It's on me. The frog is on. Anybody know that feeling? Like that paranoid feeling? It is the worst thing in the world. Having that fear, that paranoia, it is horrible. The other day, the same thing happened on Tuesday. My, my brother's getting married in a couple months. By the way, he's getting married to uh, a daughter of the house here. Her name is uh, Claudia's daughter, Nati. I don't know if they're here. But anyways, anyways, they're getting married. They're celebrating, party, all that. So all the grooms, we went to get our tuxes and all that. And then he said, hey, let's all go bowling together. So we decided to go bowling. And uh, I hadn't played bowling in the longest time. All of a sudden, I'm having a pretty decent game. Like, I'm like, oh, my God. Okay, the gift of God is on me, the anointing. Okay, I see it. It's awesome. I'm bowling. It is awesome. I'm, I'm getting ready to hit like 200 points. Never done this in my life. I'm like, wow. I got in two strikes in a row. I'm going up for the third one. God told me it was going to be a strike. I knew it. I got the ball in my hand. I'm getting ready to go. My friend was having a horrible game. Like his game was gutter ball after gutter ball after gutter ball. He was mad at me. Sometimes the devil get mad at you when you're having a good game of bowling. Anyways, I'm getting ready to bowl. And, and as, I, as I go back and I begin to release the ball forward in good form, like I know, um, <laughs> as I'm getting ready to release the ball forward, my friend had snuck up behind me and he slaps the ball forward. Like, yeah, this guy's evil. Like, don't, evil. He slaps the ball forward and so the ball curves and goes into the gutter. Like, it just supposed to be my third strike. I was on a roll. And I'm like, why'd you do that? Like, like you, you're not going to heaven anymore. Like, you're just, what's wrong with you? And he just cracked it up. He's like, cuz, man, I'm having a bad game. You're going to have a bad game, too. And so I'm like, man, watch. I I'm going to keep going. The next time I went up, I'm getting ready. I'm, I'm like, okay, I got this. But now I have that same feeling. Like the frog, my friend's the frog now. And I'm like, my friend's behind me. And I'm getting ready to bowl, but I keep looking back. I keep looking back. I'm like, man, don't play. He's like, I'm chilling. I'm, I'm not going to do anything. I'm sitting down on a chair. I'm not going to do it. Go ahead and bowl your strike. I'm not going to my strike. And as I'm getting ready to go, right before I release it, I turn around, look back, and I release the ball, another gutter ball. I went a fourth time, another gutter ball. I mean, another one. And it was just like gutter after gutter after gutter. And it was just that same feeling of paranoia. How many know what I'm talking about? Like, it's just like, man, you're going to keep touching. And that feeling is the absolute worst. You know what I think? So many times we deal with fear in the same way. The devil would try to scare you. He would try to come into your life. And you've left it crept into your mind. And God has a purpose and a destiny for your life. But because you think you can't make it because of fear or because of a storm or 
because of circumstance, you are completely looking back and not looking forward at what God has for you, at what God has for your family, at what God has for your destiny. Oh, come on. I believe God's telling somebody, it's time to look forward. It's time to move. Come on. It's time to progress. Don't let fear get in the way. So I was getting ready and I was looking at Acts chapter 27. I just felt in my heart, I felt in my, in my spirit that there, there, there's so many of us dealing with fear. Fear to move forward. And, and we keep looking back and we say, my God, wait, wait, what is it? It's, it's the devil that doesn't want me to move forward. Wait, is it the enemy? Wait, what is it? Something fear just comes to hold us back. We're dealing with fear because we've gone through some storms or we're in the middle of a storm right now. We're in the middle of a circumstance and what's going to happen tomorrow? God, God, how did I end up here? So we start asking the question, God, God, how, how did this happen? I don't understand how this happened, God. God, I don't comprehend what happened. God, I don't understand what happened. How, what, wait, what, how, a divorce, How? How did I end up here? How did I end up in a divorce? Now there's divorce papers on the counter. How did I get to this point? What do you mean a sickness? What do you mean I got this condition? Wait, how, God, where are you? And fear starts to creep in. God, I don't understand. What do you mean the hospital? How long am I going to be in the hospital? How long is she going to be in the hospital? Wait, God, I don't understand. An eviction notice. What do you mean? I don't got the money, but God, where are you? And fear begins to creep in. And if we're not careful, fear begins to settle in and make a home in our mind and in our heart. And then we start to question, wait, 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 this isn't the way life's supposed to be. Life is not supposed to be full of fear. I'm a Christian and I'm a believer and, and how can I have fear? Life is supposed to be good. I'm not supposed to go through storms. I'm not supposed to go through bad situations. I'm not supposed to go. Who said this? Who said that life is supposed, I like the way Pastor Judah Smith said it. Who said life's supposed to be safe? Who said life's supposed to be good all the time? In the book of John chapter 16, verse 33, Jesus says, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have what? Jesus says, in this world you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. Come on, church. That's some good stuff right there. Take heart. I've overcome the world. But you will have trouble. Look what it says in the book of 1 Peter chapter 4. It says, dear friends, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come on to you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. Peter is saying, don't think of it as a surprise. Don't be shocked by it. It's going to happen. It will come. And fear will try to knock on your door in situations and circumstances that you do not understand will happen in your life. Do not think it's strange. Look at the book of James says, chapter one, verse two, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Consider it pure joy. Oh, it's going to happen. It's going. How many know fear may visit, but it cannot stay? Oh, fear is going to try to knock on your door and fear is going to try to come and visit you and fear is going to try to make a home in your mind and in your heart. But are we going to make a home for it? Are we going to accept it? Are we, this is the danger about fear. There's nothing wrong with being afraid just for a second or for a moment or for a night. It's going to happen to us. It will visit us. All the men of God, at one point, they were afraid. But then comes God and says, do not be afraid. Amen. Problem is when fear comes and grips us and it doesn't let us move forward. 
I just feel like somebody here this morning, God is saying it is time to let go of that spirit of fear. It is time to open up your eyes to his promises, to his word. Oh, come on. How many know he didn't call us to live a life that is full of fear, but he called you to live a life? It's, oh, come on. A life that we risk it for God. A life where we stand on his promises. Somebody in here this morning, that spirit of fear has to let you go. You got to let loose of the chains of fear. God has called you to be a preacher. God has called you to be a teacher. God has called you in the ministry. God has called you to open up an orphan. God has called you to move in purpose and in destiny, but fear has to let you go. You got to step out and believe that God is with you, that his word is faithful, that his purpose will come to pass. Oh, come on, let that fear go. Somebody shake off that fear. Come on, shake your neighbor. Tell him, let that fear go. Oh, come on, the devil. Oh, come on, we're going to send the devil running this morning. Better run up out of here. Here comes Paul. Paul is getting ready to go to Rome in the book of Acts. Chapter 27, Paul is finally going to Rome like he is excited. He's been waiting for this day a long time. He's been wanting to go up to little Caesar and say, hey, listen, my friend, Jesus is king. He's been waiting for two years. He's been in prison trying to make it to Rome. And finally, finally, he's getting on a boat. This is a massive boat. Finally, he's getting on this boat on the way to go see Caesar in Rome. He's excited. He cannot wait. Little did he know that sometimes when you're on a mission from God, you're going to have opposition. I don't know what you are on the way in. I don't know what God has you. I don't know what stage of life you're in. I don't know what kind of season you're in. But if God has you moving forward, know there is going to be opposition. And know that some people will try to criticize and some people will try to talk and some people will try to talk you out of the purposes of God. And you got to be careful with the voices that you let in your life. You got to you got to be careful with the voices that try to control and manipulate what God wants to do in your life. Not anybody that's close to you is your friend. Not everybody that wants to listen to your dream believes in your dream. Not everybody that listens to the purpose that God has for you believes in the purpose. You got to be careful who you share your story with. You got to share with men and women of God. They're going to pray over it and say, come on, let's listen to the voice of God. Here he is on a boat. Here he is on a boat on the way to Rome. And Paul has a sense in his heart that there's a storm coming up ahead. He's like, mm, I just sense something is coming up. I don't think we should set sail today. We should wait a little longer. Everybody else is like, oh, Paul, you're a preacher. You're, you're crazy. You're a crazy madman preacher. You don't know nothing about the weather. We got John Morales with us. He knows the weather patterns. He said it's going to be all good. We're going to move forward. And uh, they decided to set sail. Anyways, they asked the captain, they asked the owner of the ship, and they went forward anyways. You know how many times God is telling you not to do something or to go a certain way and to do certain, but the, vo the voices of the crowd will want you to go in the opposite direction? You got to be careful who you're listening to. Write this down. Point number one. We are not moved by the voices of the crowd. We are guided by the voice of the Spirit. We are not going to be moved by the voice of the crowd. We're going to be moved by the voice of the Spirit. You know why we have a human tendency has to, has a, has a just like human, the, the human condition has a tendency to go with popular opinion. Well, what is everybody saying? I mean, if everybody's doing it, I'm going to do it. If everybody's going this direction, I'm going to do it. But how many of us are really led by the spirit of God? Say, God, I want to hear your voice. God, I want to go where you go. God, if you tell me to stay, I'm going to stay. If you tell me to go, I'm going to go. If you tell me to turn right, I'm going to turn right. If you tell me to turn left, I'm going to turn left. God, where you go, I want to go. Where you say, what you say, I will say. Where you go, I will go. God, I want to wait on your spirit. But often we don't hear from the voice of heaven because our ear is to the crowd. Are we listening from heaven? Are we leaning into heaven? Are we leaning into what God wants to do in our life? Are we leaning into what God wants to do? Maybe you're in a storm right now and people are telling you, hey, pff, why don't you just get a divorce? That's never going to work. 
Just go ahead and sign the papers and sign the documents. Don't, no, when I'm trying, believing, praying that God's going to work this thing out of my mind. Don't, don't work it out. That counseling thing don't work. The Bible don't work. God is not real. Listen, you can leave it. There's a lot of fish on the ocean. Have you been to FarmersOnly.com? It's amazing. Go check it out. <laughs> people, would t- people would tell you all kinds of things. It's the people that are not in tune with what the Spirit of God wants to do in your life. And hey, don't do this. Don't do that. And wait, why don't you cheat on your taxes and go ahead and do this and do that. Be careful with the voices in the crowd when God wants to lead you and guide you in a direction. Are you going with what the people are saying? Are you listening to the voices? Are you listening to what people, where, where you should go and what you should do? Or are you listening to the voice of God? Because the Bible says in the book of Psalms, chapter 37, that the steps of a righteous man are ordered by the Lord. I don't know about you, but I want God to order my steps. Where to go, who to marry, where to live. God, do, should I leave? Should I leave this job? Should I take that job? So many people are taking decisions in their life without God ever giving them direction. Are we listening for God to give us direction? Full of fear. And so what does the people say? What, what does the voice of the crowd say? Fear is gripping our heart. And I want to believe the Bible. And I want to move in faith. But fear is holding me back. Let's be, let's be shaped by the voice of the Spirit. Let's be shaped by what God says. The Bible says in the book of Romans that those who are led by the Spirit are true children of God. Be, be led by the Spirit of God. God, what do you want to do in my life? Where, where do you want me to go? Got people leaving jobs and got people going out with people and marrying people. God never told you to marry. And then when you marry them, you're asking God, why did he give you them? God said, I never gave you them. You just made that decision on your own. And you left one church and went to another and you're, you're, you're church hopping. And God, why, why is this happening to me? I'm not happy. I'm not planted. Well, why'd you leave in the first place? I never told you to leave. And God, why, why did this happen? Why, why, why am I going through this marriage? Why, why am I going through this finance? Are we led by the Spirit and saying, God, when you tell me to go, I'm going to move. God, if you tell me to jump, I'm going to jump. God, I'm waiting on the voice of the Spirit. I don't care if the crowd is going before me. I don't care what the crowd is saying. I'm listening to the voice of God. I'm going to wait right here. If i got to wait a little longer, I'm going to wait a little longer. If people got to go without me, go without me. But I'm waiting on my God. Paul, nobody wants to listen to Paul. He was anointed, but he wasn't appointed yet. And so nobody wants to listen to Paul. And here they take off, and now this storm comes. This is a a massive storm, a massive storm. The people were like, let's go. Be careful. Popular opinion will will keep you sometimes from the promised land. The people people in the desert said, hey, let's go back to Egypt. In Egypt, we had buffets, and, and we had great stores. There was Gucci and Prada and all that. Let's go back to Egypt. We had it better over there. Moses says, you're dummies. We got a promised land coming up. Come on, don't listen to the voice in the crowd that's going to keep you from the purpose of God for your life. And they go anyways. And Paul is like, these people are hard-headed. Get on the ship. They go. And all of a sudden, the wind begins to blow. All of a sudden, the massive storm begins to fall down on. This is a bad, bad storm, y'all. Like, this is the word in the Greek there to describe that storm is literally describes a typhoon, a hurricane. Like, this, they got caught up in the worst storm of their life. I mean, they couldn't even imagine this. Maybe this is you. You are in the worst storm of your life. You're like, how did I end up here? And the Bible says that night and day comes and they can't even see the stars of how bad this storm is. They can't even see the sun of how bad this storm is. They've stopped eating. They were fasting. They're, they're doing everything they can. And they're like, well, what do we do? They start to throw stuff overboard. And it's like, my God, this thing is bad. All of a sudden, Paul says, wait a minute. He stands up. Luke says, all hope was gone. All hope was gone. We weren't going to be saved. And Paul stands up and says, wait a minute. Last night, the angel of the Lord visited me and said, none of us will die. That he stood beside me. How good is that? 
That gave me some encouragement because I started thinking, man, how many times have we been in the middle of the storm and we think that God is off at a distance? We think that God does not care. We think that God must be busy in China or Asia or Europe or God, where are you? I'm here in Miami. Do you not know my prayers? Do you not know what I've been praying about and asking you for? Do you not know the situation I am in? But Paul says the angel of the Lord stood beside me. He is not off at a distance. The angel of the Lord is beside you. God is with you in the middle of your storm. God is with you in the middle of your situation. He is not afar off. I'm glad that I got God who stands next to me on my side. Oh, come on, church. I wish somebody really knew that God was on their side, that he's never left you. He's never abandoned you. He's never forgotten about you. But God, in the middle of my struggle, in the middle of my fear, in the middle of my storm, I got a God that stands beside me. Paul says, the angel of the Lord stood beside me. My God. In the middle of the storm, here comes the angel of God saying, do not be afraid. Why do he say do not be afraid? Because Paul was afraid too. He says, Paul, do not be afraid. Oh, the the ship may go down, but your life, I'm going to save it. And I'm going to save all the prisoners' life too. Every single one of you are going to make it. Paul stands up and he begins to say this to the crowd. He says, hey, keep your courage up. Keep your courage up. Because the angel of the Lord stood beside me and said, we're going to make it. Keep your courage up. You may not be able to control the circumstance, but you can't control your courage. Are you keeping your courage up in the middle of the storm? Are you letting the circumstance dictate your courage? Write this down. Point number two. Our courage does not come from circumstances we are in, but in the promises we believe. Our courage does not come by circumstances we are in, but it comes from the promises that we believe. Keep your courage up. And he says it twice to all the prisoners. He says, hey, Keep your courage up in the middle of the storm. What is your, you you can't control the circumstances, but you can't control your courage. How do you control your courage? You focus on the right thing. Fix your focus. What, What are you looking at? Are you looking at the storm? Are you looking at what's going on around you? Are you looking at the promises of God and say, wait a minute. He, he said it, it's going to be done. I love the words that Paul says to the crew. He says, as he said it, it shall be. Wow. As he said it, it shall be. Some of you in here this morning, God has said certain things about your life. And I'm here to tell you this morning, as he said it, it shall be. If he's given you a promise, as he said it, it shall be. If he's given you a word, if he's given you a prophecy, as he said it, it shall be. How many know the word of God never returns void? His word is powerful. It will not fall to the ground. It shall come to pass. It will be. If he promised that your son, your daughter was going to be in the house, it shall be. If he promised that you will be healed, it shall be. If he promised that you were going to make it through the storm, it shall be. It shall be. Come on. Anybody in here believe it? It shall be. Touch somebody and tell them it shall be. If God promised you a business, it shall be. If God promised your family will be blessed, it shall be. It is the word of God. I don't know about you, but I want to believe in the word of God. I want to stand on the word of God. And I want to let go of the word of God. If he said it, I'm going to believe it. If he said it, I'm going to stand on it. I'm going to stand on his promises in the middle of the storm. Even when I don't understand. Even when everything's reckless. Even when everything's a mess. I'm going to stand on his promise. He said it. It shall be. My God is not a liar. My God is not a man to lie. He is God and he's on the throne and his word is powerful and his word is alive. And what he says, what he speaks and declares and decrees, it will come to pass. It shall be. 
It may not look like it. I may not understand what I'm seeing. I may say, God, how, what, why? How are you going to do this? How are you going to bring fruit out of something that is dead? But God is God. He can raise it back up to life. He can do the impossible. He can do a miracle in your life. God, I don't understand. How are you going to save my baby? How are you going to save my husband? How are you going to save my... It is God. He can bring them back up to life. There is nothing too hard for my God. It shall, it shall be. It shall be. I don't know why I just started screaming so much, but it shall be. I'm telling you, I love this. It shall be. It shall be. Paul says, hey, we're going to make it. The ship may go down, but my life is in his hands. Oh, I don't know what circumstances you're in. Listen, that circumstance may not change, but your life is in his hands. He's got you. His eye is on you. He's never left you or forsaken you, and he will not leave you. It's not, he's never failed and he's not about to start right now. It shall be. Oh, it may be ugly. Circumstances may be difficult, but it shall be. Here they are in the storm and he tells all the men this. And 14 days later, it gets even worse. And now the ship has completely gone into a sandbar and it begins to be destroyed completely. That's it. The boat is falling apart. Paul and all the prisoners, 276 of them in total. Luke is on the boat. They all now are afraid for their lives, but they remember the word, it shall be. It shall, if God said it, if God spoke it, it shall come to pass. I'm going to be all right. We want God's promises to come to pass, but how about if the it shall be is also a tragedy? How about if that it is something we're not expecting? How about if that it is something that just turns our world upside down? We love the promises, and I believe the promises. I believe, I'm telling you, it shall be. But that it shall be can also be that the boat is going to be torn to pieces. And that tragedy may come knocking at the door, and sickness may come. And yes, divorce may happen, and baby may never come to the house of the Lord. And tragedy may strike, but what do we do then? Can we still stand on the promises of God and say, I believe? Even when it's the worst of the worst, can we still believe God? Even when nothing makes sense, can we still stand and say, God, you are still good to me? The Bible says in the book of Job, even though he slay me, I will bless the Lord. He's always good. He's always going to be good. Here, Paul now is completely shipwrecked. It is his third time being shipwrecked. I'm talking, he went through some trouble. He went through some trouble. He is completely now out to sea. It says that all 276 prisoners, whoever could swim was swimming to land. Everybody else was holding on to dear life, to a piece of wood, to a piece of raft, something. Read the story. It is, it is tragedy what is stricken up to this boat. I can imagine Paul hanging on to dear life there, maybe to a piece of wood, just saying, God is good. It shall be. He's got me. He's promised that he's got me. He's promised that he's for me. He's promised that he's never going to let me go. I may be in the water. I may not be able to see a thing. I might have gone hungry. I, I, I might have, this is my third time, but still God is good. Somehow, some way, I'm going to make it through this. I don't know who what you're holding on to this morning. I don't know how bad your circumstance is, but I'm telling you, you can hold on to his promise a little longer and you can begin to say he's got me. He's promised he's got me. It don't matter what may happen to me. My God, he's got me. The Bible says in the book of Psalm, chapter 73, it says, my flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart 
and my portion forever. I love that. Everything may fail. The boat you're in may sink. That storm may be really bad. Oh, my health may fail. My finances may fail me. Oh, but, but my God, he's my portion forever. You know, literally what that means is, my God, he's more than enough. Literally, that's what that means. God is more than enough. I don't need more money. I need more of God. And I got him, and he's already more than enough. I don't need more people. I don't need more friends. I don't need more anything. I got God, and God, he's more than enough. Even though my flesh and my heart may feel, my body may deteriorate, sickness may come. I may be face to face with death, but guess what? God, he is my portion, and he's more than enough. And he's promised that even if I lose my life, I gain it with him. Can we still say God is good in the midst of that? Point number three, write this down with this. We finish up. No matter what may happen to us, it cannot shape the God who's for us. No matter what may happen to us, it will not shake God. He is God on the throne. He is God who is absolutely sovereign and in control. There's providence over our life. Nothing just happens in our life. Paul was on his way to Rome and God was looking out for him all along, but he was still going to be shipwrecked. He was still going to be hanging on in the middle of the ocean to a piece of wood and just saying, God, you are good to me. And it shall be. Even though my heart and my flesh may fail me. Even though everything around me may crumble. Maybe you're in here this morning, you're saying fear has gripped me. Now, I don't understand the circumstances. I don't understand why I'm here. I don't understand how I've gotten to this point. And I don't understand why so-and-so is in the hospital. I don't understand why my finances are this way. And I don't understand why my marriage is in this situation. And me and my wife and my husband, we can't, we can't get along. We can't seem to work it out. And how did we get to this point? I don't understand. God, where are you? And fear begins to creep in. And fear begins to tell you you can't move forward. Fear begins to say God is not in the middle of your circumstance. And fear begins to tell you you are by yourself and surprised by fear and all of a sudden you say where where is God I don't understand how can this happen how can tragedy strike and it leaves the world upside down that we're living in God how through it all God is never shaken he is still on the throne in charge and in control and he says if you just trust my word I'm with you and I think you and I We've had nights where we've questioned God. We've had nights where we wondered, God, where are you in the middle of this circumstance, in the middle of this situation? I do not understand. God, where are you? Show yourself to me. Oh, am I going to make it? Is the church going to make it? Is my family going to make it? God, I don't understand how the sickness can happen. I don't understand how finances can go down. I don't understand what can happen in the church. God, I do not comprehend, but still you are sovereign and you show yourself to be faithful and your hand is always seen and it shall come to pass as God has promised he is faithful always and amen God is faithful and what he says it will come to pass that's all I know I don't understand how things happen I don't understand why things happen but I know one thing he's in control and Paul sometime later He's writing to the people in Rome, and I love how he puts it. And with this, we'll finish up Romans chapter 8. Look what he begins to say, and this is so powerful, so beautiful. 
This is Paul writing, being shipwrecked three times, being almost stoned to death and going through the worst of the worst in 39 lashes. He begins to say, and we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him who have been called according to his purpose. All things will work out for the good. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And those he predestined, he also called. And those he called, he also justified. And those he justified, he also glorified. What then shall we say in response to these things? That if God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but he gave him up for us all. How he will not also, along with him graciously, he will give us all things. Who will bring any charge against those who God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus who died. More than that, he was raised to life. He's at the right hand of God. And he's also interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship? Shall persecution or famine? Shall nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are faced day all along with death we are considered a sheep to be slaughtered no in all these things in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us for I am convinced that neither death nor life nor angels nor demons nor the present nor the future nor any powers neither height nor death nor anything else in all creation it will be able to separate us from the love of Christ Jesus oh come on church you will never be shaken God is with you he's on your side we are never shaken we are never shaken come on somebody God is on our side we will not be shaken come on let's sing it out hands up all across this auditorium I don't know how you walked in here this morning I don't know what you're going through I don't know your circumstance your situation I don't know your storm but God knows and he's in here I just really felt in my heart this morning God wants to set some people free from fear you may be in this auditorium you may be in the overflow you may be listening on the radio or watching online God is getting ready to shake that fear off your life he is never shaken. He will never be shaken. The Bible says that the heavens and earth will pass away, but his word will stand forever. It's never shaken. Maybe you felt like you've been shaken. Maybe you felt like the storm was going to rise above you, and maybe you felt like the storm was going to go over your head and take you out. And what the devil meant to take you out, God is going to use it to push you above. 
Somebody in here, God is getting ready to set you free this morning from fear. Fear that you can't move forward. Fear that you can't trust his promise. Fear that that thing won't come to pass. I declare that this morning it shall come to pass. It shall be as God has spoken. All over this place, if that's you, if you're dealing with fear, you say, Alex, pray for me at the count of three. I want you to raise your hand. One, two, three. Raise your hand as high as you can. You're saying, I'm going to shake this thing off today. Come on, we're going to pray that the spirit of fear has no place. Second Timothy says that he's not given us a spirit of fear. Father, this morning, I pray for every single hand raised across this auditorium, in this auditorium and in the overflow or online or on the radio, God. God, some of us, uh, enemies try to come into our life for fear, God. The devil's try to hold us back and hold us back from your promises and what you've spoken over our life. This morning, in the name of Jesus Christ, we rebuke that spirit of fear. It will not have a grip on us. It has to let us go in the name of Jesus. God, I declare that it will let go of destinies, that it will let go of purpose, that it will let go of people, that they will move into a wide open future of what you called and predestined for their life. Fear will not have its way. Spirit of fear, you've got to go in the name of Jesus. Your church will rise. Your people will rise. We will move forward into our God-given plan, into our God-given destiny because you're with us. And if you're with us, who can stand against us all the days of our life? It is in Jesus' name that we pray. Father, we believe it. You are with us. God, we thank you. Come on, church. Every eye closed. Eye closed. That fear's got to go. Fear of failure and fear of past mistakes and fear that wants to grip you and hold you. That fear of that you can't succeed. That fear that the next marriage might end in divorce as well. That fear that the sickness was going to come back. That fear that says you can't make it. That fear in the name of Jesus, we declare it has to go. Declare that you can move into what God has called you to. That you can hold on to his promise. That you can hold on to his word. And no matter what may come and no matter what may happen, we can stand and say, though he slay me, God, he's still good and I will bless the Lord. It's never shaken. It's never shaken. All across this auditorium, there's people in here that you don't have a relationship with God. In the overflow, online, on the radio, you don't have a relationship with God. And you're saying, Alex, I need a relationship with God. I want to start brand new. I want to trust in this God. I want to know this God. This is the beautiful thing is that he wants to know you. It doesn't matter what you've done. doesn't matter what you're currently doing. He loves you. Maybe you're saying, I've been wanting to get right with God, but I'm not ready. You can never be ready. He's waiting for you just as you are. Come just as you are to him. His arms are open wide. The Bible says that he loves us so much that he sent his only son, Jesus. Jesus came to carry all of our sins. All of us are sinners. And he went up on a cross and he died for our sins. The son of God died for me and for you so that we can have new life. The Bible says he went into the grave, but after three days, he resurrected. Jesus is alive today. 
He's the way to the Father. He's offering forgiveness. He's offering life. He's offering peace. He's offering grace. He's offering mercy. He's offering you a brand new beginning all across this place. As every single eye is closed, head is bowed. If you're a church leader, come on, you begin to pray. There's people in here, you don't have a relationship with God. And today you're saying, Alex, I need a relationship with God. I want to start brand new. The Bible says, today's the day of salvation. Tomorrow's promise for no man. At the count of three, if that's you, right where you're at, at this moment of privacy, I'm going to ask you to shoot your hand up as high as you can. I'm going to acknowledge you, and then you can put it right back down. One, two, three. Hands up as high as you can. Amazing. Amazing. God bless you. 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 Awesome. Good move. Anybody else? God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Awesome. Raise your hand as high as you can. You're saying, I need a relationship with God. I want him to come into my life. God bless you as well. In the overflow, online, on radio, wherever you're at. God bless you. God bless you. Awesome. Raise your hand as high as you can. Father, I thank you for all these hands that went up. I thank you for all these decisions to get right with you. Father, we pray you would have your way right now in each and every life. All of you who raised your hand, I want you to repeat this prayer with me from the bottom of your heart. Say it with everything that you've got. In fact, the whole church, we're going to say it out loud with you. All we're doing is putting our faith in our trust in Jesus. Say, Father, thank you for today. Thank you for this opportunity. I admit that I'm a sinner and that my sin separates me from you. Jesus, come into my life. Be my Lord and be my Savior. From today on, I am forgiven. I am saved. I am healed. And I will follow you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Come on, church. Come on, church. Can we put our hands together? Thank you so much.